0: That uh, we've got a lot of kids around here. We're still in Hebrews eleven. Are you are you shocked? And you know what? We're going to live in Hebrews eleven as long as we live. Because here's here's the way it begins. Now faith is you know this one. Faith is the sh- is being sure of what we hope for, and certainty of what we do not see. Whoa! That sounds like someone is not real smart, is it? Hebrews 11 begins with that and then it goes on, as you know, and it gives us this whole list of people who were what we call faithers or what they have in the hall of faith. And last week we talked about Joshua. Now I got to tell you, Joshua is one of, that may be my favorite story in the whole Bible. It's it's, Ask Iris. It's so great. I just love Joshua. He was a mighty warrior seasoned. By the way, just so you know, when he took over the job, he was 80 years old. So here comes Joshua, the mighty warrior and the general. And the first thing he does is he falls before the Lord. And he gives his heart to the Lord. And Joshua, you know, went and, and led all the people into the battle. But he did it by the commands of God, not by his own eyes the way what he thought was right in his own eyes and because he did that it says by faith the walls of jericho fell wasn't by joshua was it? it is by faith by joshua's faith the city just fell flat And but you know what the faith wasn't just in the people circling the city and it wasn't just in joshua there was a little faith going on on the inside of joshua at the uh, inside of jericho too and that's what i want to talk about this morning um, the destruction of that gray wall was incredibly complete. If you've ever, you know, we hadn't seen the movie yet because they hadn't made it, but I have. I've seen it in my head. You know, think about the wall that's fallen down, but there's one part of the wall that hasn't fallen, and there's a red rope sticking out of it. Huh, what's that all about? You know what I call that? I call that the red rope of faith because that was the faith that was going on inside of Jericho. We're going to talk, listen to this. Um, the red rope of faith Hebrews 11, 13, 31 I made that up by the way I don't know where that came from by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days by faith the prostitute Rahab because she welcomed the spies was not killed with those who were disobedient it blows my mind that someone like Rahab would have faith in God, enough to save her. How about you? There was just nothing her going for. You know what? She hadn't been in the desert for 40 years. She hadn't been following this pillar of fire around. She hadn't been seen anything. I mean, the, the, the children that were there had had their whole, whole lives cleansed by God by walking around in the desert and doing the things that he told them to do, following his commands. She hadn't been able to do that. She did not learn any of that in the desert, but her faith was strong enough to save her even in the ungodly culture that she was living in. How did that happen? How could that happen? That kind of makes you wonder, how could that happen to us, doesn't it? Hmm, okay. Let me just give a little bit of background uh, of... Um, what's really gone in here. This older generation has died off. All the Jews that had turned away from God back at Meribah and all along the way, they they died off and they wandered around the wilderness as the new generation came up. Uh, God had taken Moses home and he made Joshua the um, head of of all of his people. And they were now preparing for their first battle. So he sent spies into this great fortified city you know, I'm going to read it to you from Joshua 2. Joshua, the son of Nun, secret, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went in and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look. Some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. Now, let me tell you what. This reconnaissance mission they went on is pretty dangerous. Um, Think about it. They're Jews. They've been living on the other side of the river. They come over to this place. It's a culture. It has a whole lot of gods, if it has any. Some of them didn't even have any. The people have a whole different culture. They have. A, they're more of a merchandising culture. Merchants and, and. So here's this wall, this, this this Jericho that has these fortified walls around it. And by the way, our, they'll tell you the people who do the all the digging now, the archaeologists will say that's the first fortified city of record. So it was the kind of place that they, they lived, and they didn't think anybody could get to them. You know, we're pretty safe here. So here these guys go in to figure out this fortified city with the great merchants and all that. And, and I think, you know, like, this is my, I spy mine working. They had to come in from the north side because they just crossed the river, and the river's raging, so they have to come in from the north side and then back around from the west side because that's the way all the merchants came in. They already knew that they were coming. We know that from Scripture, the people in the city. So they were trying to go out and kind of meld into the to the to the uh, uh, culture, kind of look like them, dress like them, walk like them, talk like them. So they kind of snuck into the city. They got it. They made through. So they get in there. And they're trying to meld in with the travelers of the region. Well, let me tell you what the travelers did back then. Then and now, they went into where the marketplace is. They went in to find where all the travelers stay, you know, the Motel 6 or something like that, wherever it is, which was where all the prostitutes hung out. Um, That's where the, the houses of ill repute were. They're always near where the travelers were coming in and out. So they went in to meld with them to make it look like they're supposed to be there. That was their way of kind of getting lost in the crowd, right? So they wound up in this house of a prostitute named Rahab. And that was kind of working for them, but someone saw them come in. Someone figured them out. You reading that here? Kind of sounds like a good movie, doesn't it? Can you give me a little music, Patrick? Dum, 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 dum. Okay. So what are they going to do? They've been found out. They can't go back into the city they're looking for them there and they kind of know they're on the streets right and they can't really go out over the wall because let me tell you the way Jericho was there was these big fields If you go out over the wall and you get out in it somebody on a horse is going to run you down real quick so what are they, do? if they don't have anything to do what are they going to do you know what they had never planned on being saved by the faith good works of a prostitute whoa where'd that come from you know, God's agent were saved by the proprietress of a bordello. A woman who sold her body for money. All the kids are gone, right? We can say that right out loud. You know what? And here's what really blows my mind. If you go back and you look up the story and you read all of your, all of your uh, commentaries, all the old commentaries are always trying to cover up who she really was. Hmm, they're not, we're not going to let that happen. They're trying to rationalize her identity. But the New Testament is really clear in James and in Hebrews where it talks about who she was. She, in the Greek, she's a porne, where we get the word pornography. So you know who she was and what she did, right? How could a prostitute's faith that it knew nothing about God be so courageous she would stake her whole life? on what God said, what she believed in God, what she hadn't seen. How could she possibly be included in the hall of faith right here along with with Enoch and and Abraham and Moses and, and, and Joshua even? How does that happen? By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. The last person, she's the last person in the hall of faith, the final one, was a Gentile woman prostitute. Kind of gives us hope, doesn't it? It really does. Rahab's faith, a prostitute's faith, is given as an example for all who desire to come to God and to please him with their faith. (laughs) That's really humbling. You know who those people are, don't you? They're sinners like you and me. And she's in the list. Whoa. Three things I want us to see here that that, that I think we can learn from from her faith. One is that the the, the work of her faith, see how it is and how, how it manifested itself. And another is how it was developed in her life. That's something I'm always interested in. I'm seeing here in all of us how our faith is developing, even though we blow it every day. Anybody here not blow it this week? Yeah, we all do blow it, don't we? We'll talk about that another time. Maybe all the time. <laughs> yeah. And then, But here's the thing. She clung to her faith. She kept her faith, and she clung to him, to God. <laughs> and look at what happened. We're going to talk about that in a minute, too. Here's the one that's really been bothering me a long time as, I, as I've pondered this story over the years. Uh, things that, these are the things I want to forget, and I had not been able to. Rahab's first work of her faith was lying does that bother anybody here bothers me listen to this but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them and she said yes the men this is what she's telling the guards that came from the king she says yes the men came to me but I did not know where they came from well I won at dusk when it was time to close the city gate the men left Lie two. I don't know which way they went. Lie three. Why don't you guys go get them now? Go after them. It says, you know, if you really hurry, you can probably catch them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. (laughs) The first works of Rahab were lies. I've got a big problem with that. Don't you? How do you figure that out? How do you rationalize it? So does this mean it's okay to lie, Lord? If I, as long as I'm doing it for you? If I'm, I'm doing it what I think. Let me tell you what. I believe with all of my heart and all of my reading and all of my study that God is truth. God is perfect, and he's not going to allow a lie to stand in front of him. That's why Jesus stands in front of him. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. So that's why Jesus intercedes for us. So, and there, is a, there are other things. Think about Abraham. Abraham lied, didn't he? Lied about Sarah. I mean, there's there's lots of recorded lies in in the uh, uh, Bible, but God's word always condemns it. Lies. It never approves of lying or any of that. So. You know, even Jesus' life is perfect proof of that. And that's who we're supposed to model, right? That's who we're supposed to remember like we just did. He was perfect truth. Okay. But Rahab's calculated lie, I'm trying to make this fit. Help me, you know? I'm going to bend it to fit and paint it to match somehow, right? Because I'm human. Um, Rahab's calculated lie actually was an incredible act of faith. Do you know what she put up? What she risked? She risked, (laughs) hmm, Her whole life, for sure. She risked her family's life. She risked her business. She risked everything that she had. She really didn't have a belief system, but she didn't care. She believed God. And even though she did some things wrong, I think God knows what her motive is was. And that is that he was, she was following him no matter what. Aren't we like that sometimes? You know, sometimes I've seen it in several people here. Sometimes we say, you know what? I'm going to do exactly what God wants and what he said to do, no matter what. Even though it may not have a foundation under it that's actually there. But we're working out our faith with fear and trembling folks, all of us together, aren't we? And, you know, I've said this a million times before. We're all in different places together, but we're all with him. And that's what we're doing walking together. So... When you weigh Rahab's lie against the, the backdrop of her pagan culture, she had no way to really understand who God was. I think we can see a little bit clearer how she got there if we understand that. Um, godly morals and, it, it, you know, godly morals are really radical. We have a whole movement of Christianity that's called, you know, this radical Christian ethic. Um, yeah, it is radical when it's compared to the world. Uh, They weren't part of her pagan mind. She didn't know any better. How's that different than people around us that think, oh yeah, okay, I've gone to church. You know, I've heard, I've even heard some sermons on the radio. But do they really understand the God of truth? He demands a lot, doesn't he? He demands our faith. He demands our obedience. He demands so many things from us and yet we're saying, yeah, okay, but as long as it's not uncomfortable. Isn't that what happens a lot? I'm afraid that happens too much. Rhea was like that. And like every human mind, she had a moral conscience, but it wasn't informed by this, by God's word. That's the way all of our minds and our hearts and our lives need to be informed, by that and that only. Not anything that we made up and made it to bend it to fit and paint it to match. We do a lot of that, don't we? Most likely, she didn't really think she was doing anything wrong. It was okay. Uh, I'm not saying her lie was okay. I would never say that. there People are better off not knowing really what's right uh, or the difference between right and wrong. But I think that God recognized her motive, and he saw her heart. God sees her heart when the rest of us don't. And you know what? You know what the motive of her heart was? Faith. Faith in God, believing that God's going to do whatever's right. You know, we had this discussion even this morning in Sunday school about we don't understand exactly how people could do this sort of thing. They did so many things that were wrong, but they always faithed. Use that as a verb, God, and that ultimately he's right. Even if I'm wrong, let me tell you what, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes I know, that's a shocker for a lot of folks. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, but I always want to keep my eyes on my Lord, and I'm trying everything I can to understand what he's telling us and what he's telling each one of us. And I hope we all are together. Amen? We are. That's where we're keeping. As long as we keep our eyes on him, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to stumble. <laughs> but he's always there. His love endures forever. Oh, we already said that, didn't we? He does. He never stops. So look, here's the lesson I think for us here in our community, and our culture around us is that we have to be sympathetic and patient um, with the character of recent converts. You know, we're all in different places together, aren't we? It's a matter of... A, Historical fact one of my great heroes of the faith was John Newton John Newton wrote Amazing Grace and if you ever want to go back and read his story it's incredible he was a slave trader and he sailed the seas in his own confession uh, before parliament uh, he confessed that when he was a slave trader he was a horrible man he said there are probably 80 children out there that he fathered when he was carrying slaves on the boat he didn't even know where they are He was horrible in the slave trade. John Newton found Jesus Christ. When he came to Jesus Christ, it was incredible. He became one of the great leaders of evangelism in the British church. What a guy who had been changed so much. But do you know this? For one year after he became a Christian, he still was a slave trader. That's horrible, isn't it? But look what the Lord did with him because he stayed with God. God's changing us all, isn't he? And I can tell you this. It, we'll get into this some other time. But when you come to Jesus Christ, you are done. He has accepted you. He has received. And when you've received him, truly received him into your heart, and you're, you're saved before God. God sees you through Jesus Christ's eyes. But you're still going to make mistakes. That's part of the sanctification process with us growing. Some grow faster than others. <laughs> Some don't grow at all, I'm afraid. But you know what? We're here to bring glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what this sanctification is all about. I am so glad to be worshiping and walking with so many people here who keep their eyes on Christ all day and all the time. And that's, that's what we're working at here. Faith and sin, you know, mingled with this, this conscious contradiction that's going on, it, it, it is the new life. That's part of living here on this earth. You know, it seems that everybody, I don't know of anybody who doesn't bring a lot of baggage to, to the world when they're saved. We all have baggage, don't we? And we all carry it with us. Well, let me tell you what, Jesus has taken all that baggage away. And he's working on taking it all the way as we walk. You know what? Real faith is tainted with sin. We all have a little bit of sin, even in our faith, don't we? But I don't know about you, I'm never giving up. My Lord's never given up on me, and I'm not going to give up. We should be, I kind of got this from James. We should be slow to judge sin and quick to perceive faith. Did you hear me? We should be slow to judge sin, but quick to perceive real faith. The classic symbol that uh, revealed Abraham, uh, Rahab's great faith was that scarlet cord. Now, there's a lot we can say about that scarlet cord. It was hung out of her window from the outside of the city, from the inside of the city to the outside of the city. Did you get that? That scarlet cord, there's a lot of things you can do with that. Let me tell you one thing that the nerd discovered. The Hebrew word for rope and hope is the same word. And it's used more for hope than it is for rope. It's a three-corded strand all that kind of things they use. If you read through the Bible, you'll you'll find all of that. Um, so here was someone who had this, the, the red rope was something that the archaeologists believe was the sign um, of a prostitute's house. You know, kind of like the red light now, so I guess she lived in the red rope district. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but that, that was a, that same word as rope for hope, and you can do all kinds of stuff with that, but she actually had the hope, didn't she? Her hope was shown to the outside world and that red rope of course we do a lot with that as theologians like to play on that 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 red rope is the red cord that runs all the way through the bible which is the blood of jesus christ you know you and i have that red rope of hope don't we but it's stained with christ's blood and that's what we need to be hanging out our window on the world so that everybody can see that red rope hope that we have in us. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ. We cannot be ashamed to hang that out our window as we walk through this world. We need to be bold with it and show the world all around us that Jesus Christ is our Savior and our Lord. I'm not, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of Christ and his salvation for all who believe. So there's no reason for us to be. whether we like it or not or we want to explain away that red rope that shows us Rahab's faith right and it showed it to the rest of the world you know what she was naive she was uninformed but she still placed her faith in God in what she had heard and uh you know what if look what happened if the Israelites failed to return and conquer the city she was going to get found out wasn't she look at the risk she was running that red rope hanging out wow. and she completely believed that the judgment was coming and that salvation was hers because of her faith that that would save her so she let down that scarlet cord in complete sold out trust in god so she stood alone now listen to this this is where you this is where it looks like you and me she stood alone against her culture who are we Oh, but we live in a Christian nation. We're a nation under God. We're all together, right? Huh. Not true, is it? And I'm not, that's not a political statement. Please don't take it for that. She stood alone against her culture, something that not many people around here are willing to do. And she, like all the the Hall of Faith members, all the inductees to the Hall of Faith before he saw the unseen when no one else could. That's you and me, folks. You know Jesus Christ personally? He's alive, yeah? He's alive, so what do we worry about? He's the one that the people around us need to know. James tells us something really interesting. Um, he says that faith produces works. That's what this faith did. That's where I want you to see this. And he gives two examples of faith turning out works. Let me just read it to you and see if you can figure out who it is. He says, you foolish men, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see... That his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled and says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend, even though he was a sinner. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. It's what he does with that faith. In the same way was not even Rahab, the prostitute. Oh, here's our other example James has given. Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Our faith needs to be turned into works. God has to do it. Our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit leads us to do that. We can't go doing it on our own. But James is saying that Abraham demonstrated his faith at a really great cost. He willingly offered up his own son. And Rahab's faith was also costly, wasn't it? She risked everything she knew. So here's the thing we need to know from this faith is not an intellectual process. A lot of people think, okay, if I can just read this and I can understand this word for word, you know, it's something that's going to just get burned into me and, I, and that's my faith exhibited. Uh-uh. Faith can't stop there. It's not just it's just not something you do academically or intellectually or you prove it academically. That's not it. True faith brings action. Even when it costs is that the kind of faith we have? How's your faith? Is it bringing you to action? You know what can it be seen by your actions, the way that you, you, you interact with anybody around us, even in, in our uh, the grocery store. I love going over to shoppers. they're always surprised when you just mention some, say something like "Praise the Lord, Lord's good today, isn't he? Woo, watch what happens <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. We want them to know, don't we? (sighs) Rahab's faith was tainted with sin. So is ours, isn't it? That's what the Lord's taken away. It's a process along with all of that. You know, she didn't understand everything. (laughs) I don't think she understood anything much at all uh, that God had taught those people in the desert. But you know what? She trusted God anyway, didn't she? And her faith worked. She sent out the spies. She lowered lowered the 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 red rope, the scarlet cord outside the walls of the city. True faith works. Let me tell you what happened with all that works. You know, we wonder where did Rahab get that? Can you not just didn't that just keep coming back? How did that happen to Rahab? Um, Here's what I think. You want to hear my opinion? Back then, but you read, read what the archaeologists have dug up and you read what all the historians have written down. Traveling merchants, back then, when they traveled in Rahab's time, they always went into the cities, like we said, to the houses of ill, Ill- repute. Not just for their lusts so much, um, but also because that's where they all met. They all gathered around, you know, tipped a few, did whatever, you know, and, and talked about business. They talked about what's going on in all the rest of the world. That was kind of like their Internet. You know, here's how you bring everybody together. And you know, and they told war stories. And uh, I believe that she repeatedly heard, and there are archaeologists who will, who, will, who will back this up too. I believe she repeatedly heard of this marvelous nation which had been coming across the desert, that God was leading, that God was the one who'd done all these incredible miracles. I think she heard about that. I think all the merchants did too. And uh, it's true. I think Abraham Rahab heard there's only one God, and that's the one who was leading them through, and he was doing some incredible things out there as he's leading his children. You know what? She heard bits and pieces about it. I don't think she heard the whole thing. But she heard bits and pieces about them, and, and, and I think she also heard about their ethical code. One thing you know about this new generation that came off the desert, they had, they had a moral code. They had ethics. They didn't really do all the things we read later on in Sunday school about what they did. Woo-hoo, those guys really, wheels came off of that wagon, didn't it? <laughs> but she heard about all that. She heard all the things about God, and she placed her faith I think that made her, holding that up against where she was, she knew that she had a horrible life. She was, she was in deep sin. And it was time for her to know about the morals and the ethics of this God who was saving all of his people. And I think all of this together made her open to the truth and faith. Now, let's bring that back to where we live We have a lot of desperate people out there, folks, all around us. Not just here in Essex, throughout our whole country, throughout the whole world if you want to go out and travel. You know, they need to see that our God is real. Yeah, we make mistakes and all that, but I'm doing everything I can to be moral in his eyes, not just his moral code, but to have my faith in him because I know his love, that love that endures forever. I think her fear contributed to the formation of her faith. Her faith was being developed. I think she was afraid. Everybody here has come to a point, a realization where they feared God. And you have to come to that point where you know, I'm not going to make it without Christ. Perfect love cast out all fear. 1 John 4 it does. You place your faith in him, know his love and he gives you all the strength to endure through all of that. You know what? I think Rahab knew she was a sinner. I think she was at that bottom low point. I think she was ready for faith. The testimony of the spies, I think that opened her to faith. She would immediately have, had, I think, sensed the difference between the, the Israelite visitors and her clients you know one thing about it when you interact with a whole lot of people from a whole lot of different places you get to see all those different cultures you get to see how we're all different we're all the same we're all God's children. I think she knew that. She could she could discern personalities and, and, and the spies were not just these weren't just lust seekers. Matter of fact, I don't think they were lust seekers at all. I think they were looking for a place to hide out and to mingle and to find out about the crowd. But I think she saw the difference, and I think she saw that they were holy men. They were here for God's purpose. You know what? I think the world will see us that way too, if we show them that by the way we just live, by the way we respond. You know what? These men that she saw were sure of their God. I think that's why they were chosen to go in and spy out the place, because they knew for certain what was going to happen. They were living proof that, that about what she was hearing from the merchants. I think their testimony strengthened her faith, gave her that faith that she needed. I think she was spiritually persuaded by the testimony of men in front of her from God. That's us, isn't it? Listen to her faith testimony. This is in Joshua 2. Let me just read it to you. I know the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and and what you did to Sihon and Og and the, the, the two kings of the Amorite east of the Jordan whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, Our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. What a testimony. And that was hers. You know what? Jericho had stood for hundreds of years. And like I said, architecture will tell you still today is known as the the earliest fortified town on earth. I didn't know that till I read this kind of cool. City thought it was invincible. Nobody's going to get to us. But Rahab heard God's word and knew that it wasn't invincible anymore because God was here. You know what? She believed. I mean she heard God's word. That, that is why her faith has, has been immortalized. Look, look at this immortalized in, in verse 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she was welcome she welcomed the spies, was not killed but those who were disobedient. Sound like the gospel message again, doesn't it? It really does. Truly, we can never tell where faith will be found. You never know. God's the one that's in charge of it, right? And Rahab's example tells us there is hope for people where we'd never dream to find it. Listen to what Jesus told the Pharisees. This is in uh, Matthew 21. He says, I tell you the truth. He is the truth. I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe in the way of righteousness. Wow. How did Abraham get to be called? Righteous by his faith in God. That's us. You know what? There is nobody, no one, no human being in this world who is too bad or too ignorant or too anything to be saved. Not one. There are, how many times do we run into people and say, oh, but I've sinned. I even sinned today. You know what? Be saved. Jesus Christ can take all that sin away if you just place your faith in him and keep following him and keep looking at him. Don't take your eyes off of him. You will, and you will stumble, but you're not going to do it because you want to. We have a lot of people that actually plan to stumble. Stop it. Jesus Christ saves, and he will save you from any situation there is. Any and every he saved he saved people from situations that are far worse than all of ours in this room combined. Because he can, if you just place your faith in him. You know what? We're around people out here who yeah, we have a lot of people who have addictions. They have addiction to drugs, to booze, to sex, all that kind of stuff. We have people who are selling all of those things all around us. Jesus Christ can save every one of them. There's not a one of them that he can't save if they'll place their faith in him. You don't have to believe me, that's not me saying this right here. It's right here. And it's God's word. Let me look what happens when faith becomes works <laughs> uh, when it's practiced. First, Israel was encouraged, right? Here's the first thing that happens when you start practicing your faith around people who, who do have faith and around people who don't. But look what happened. Then the two men started back, and they went down out of the hills, forward of the river, came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear. Where would they get that? Because of us. No, because of God, because of our faith in God. The children of Israel were encouraged and they were strengthened by the miraculous deliverance of these guys by a prostitute who placed her faith in God. She encouraged them by her faith in God. How many times do we have the opportunity to encourage people by just saying, God, is in, God reigns? I used to wear a hat that said that. I've lost it. I wish I could find that. God reigns i wear that right out in public, folks. You know, I hope that's encouragement to people who know him. And if it casts fear into people who don't, okay. Because you need to find your faith in Christ, and you can have all the encouragement that you need to live your life. Here's the second thing. So if we put our faith into works, we're going to encourage others about our God and Savior. Second, Rahab's faith brought her own salvation, didn't it? Mm. First, you know, at first he didn't really have that saving faith. In, in you know, to to save her, but she had enough to save her in her life, didn't she? Her, her her biological life. But you know what? It saved her eventually before God. So her faith saved her in every way that there is. And then here's the third thing. It brought about her glorification. Now that's that theological word we talked about just a few minutes ago. Not only did Abraham live in Israel the rest of her life, you know what happened to her because of her faith in God? She married an Israelite. I got to tell you, these guys that are so moral married a prostitute, (laughs) a pagan prostitute, and took her in because of her faith in God. Whoa. That's a testimony, isn't it? And not only did she get married into the Israelite, you know what else she did? She became part of the ancestry of Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. A sinner saved by her faith in God that he gave her. Listen to this. I, 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 people have asked me before, you know, yeah, she, how did she fit into Let me read to you real quick. I am going to make it quick. Uh, this is straight out of Scripture. This is in Matthew 1, New Testament. It says, Ram the father of Arminadab, and, and Arminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz. You know that one if you've been reading through, by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. And you know where Jesus came from from David's lineage. There you go, right there. Nashon, Rahab's father in law, did sacrifices and priestly things, and in, in, uh, is one of the 12 princes, as a matter of fact, of Israel at the time. So she was actually a princess, she's in royalty. How about that? How wonderful is our God of mercy and grace and love? Huh, It endures forever, doesn't it? So this Amorite prostitute became a believer and then the wife of a prince of Judah. Rahab was a princess and an ancestor of Christ. Wow. Uh, you know, those guys, they, they tried to figure out and try to write her out of being a prostitute. That's a shame, isn't it? I'm glad that Rahab was a prostitute because she was a sinner. You know what? A whole lineage of Christ, the ancestry of Christ, is full of sinners. Jesus Christ came to save sinners like you and me. That's why he was one of us. He was a man. He knew sin, but he was God. He became sin so that he could take our sin away and die with it. Wow, it brings a whole lot, just knowing Jesus Christ, doesn't it? Anyone who looks down on Rahab doesn't really understand the doctrine of sin, do they? You see, if you don't understand the depth of iniquity, of the sin that lives in us, you really can't understand the heights of God's grace. Did you hear that? If you've never come to the point in your life where you felt like you were totally and completely depraved and lost and and in sin, then you really can't understand what Jesus has done to save you from all of that. I hope that you know that every time you take communion, every time you pray about you know the sins in your life that have gone away because of Jesus Christ. What a cost and what a difference between that great depth of what we call depravity and the great height of God's grace. All of us stand in Rahab's place in front of God, don't we? And many of us are even worse when you really get down to it. She had had very little knowledge, if any knowledge of all, right? You and I are flooded with it, with the knowledge of God and his power and his grace and his love and his mercy. She didn't understand, but she was still that that she was really under God's judgment, and yet she still sought his redemption through her faith. Hebrews 11:31 says, "Ray, gives it Ray but is an example of one who was saved by faith." And James 2:25 says, "She was saved by works." There is no conflict here, here because her faith turned into works for God's glory. Faith comes as a, in response to God's worth, to, to God's word. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Hmm. James had a lot to say here, didn't he? Are you hearing God's word? I'm going to stop. But you hear, you hear God. No, I'm never stop. But I'm going to stop here this morning. <laughs> do you hear God's word? Yeah, that's what we're here to do. We have such an incredible advantage over Rahab, don't we? We get to have this thing with us. How many of these things do you have in your home? You know, pick it up, read it all the time. Um, we have this. She didn't. Why are we? Why are we so slow to place our faith? And here's the thing, the message that we're here is not just about judgment, it's about love and salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die, but have life everlasting. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Wow. Wow. Here's another advantage we have besides God's word and having it all the time is that around us and around you sitting here this morning, other people of faith, we get to walk together. We get to be encouragement to one another, don't we? Oh, I pray that you will. We have you heard a while ago in our prayer requests. We have a lot of people that admit they're hurt during the week. Can you imagine that they're hurting when they're not here? not able to tell us we all get to hurt, and we all get to share our problems and our walk and i gotta tell you sometimes it's hard to even counsel someone who's fallen but you know what we do because we place our faith in christ he's the one that's already overcome it so when someone's fallen or or when somebody's their faith they've they're not focusing on christ would you go and run to them and pray with them and point them back to christ that's what we're here to do as brothers and sisters in Christ. There are people here who pray for us. There's people here who will counsel us. And no one is better than anybody else. We're all in different places together in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. The quality of that life draws all of us upward together in unity. That's one thing I pray for all of us all the time, that we all can be in lockstep we can all be in unity in Christ. Our advantages over Rahab's and forming our faith is huge. It's really far beyond hers. And know this, God does not expect perfection from us. That's what Jesus is all about. He's the perfect one, and we are to become him. You know, that concept is in the Bible, and I'm hoping maybe we can maybe preach through that. But you know how many times it says, I want to become Christ? you know how many times it says that we are in Christ? 168. I counted them. 168 times it said that we are to be in Christ. Wow. That's where we should be, and that's where we are to be all the time. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. But he loves us his love endures forever he endures us with his love doesn't he for his steadfast love endures forever i hope you remember that you know if you get in a little place here you shouldn't be remember his steadfast love endures forever and your faith you need to place in him no matter what you think the consequences are going to be you know the truth it's right here place your faith in him and in his truth Here's the thing, he expects us to act on that faith. To do something with it. You know, even if it's just one step at a time. I don't know about you, there's been times in my life I take one step forward and thinks, whoops, I tripped and fell backwards. You know? That happens, doesn't it? But you know, I'm gonna get right back up and take another step forward. You gonna do that? We're all doing that together, I pray. You know, he expects a faith that works. And that's what we do with our faith. And at the end of our faith works, we become not only beneficiaries of Christ, but his blessings. You know what else we find out through Rahab? we become part of the royal kingdom. She became a princess in God's kingdom. And you and I become God's children. Christ's brother, the one who follows him the Lord of all lords, and we're part of that royalty, part of that kingdom. Oh, that's what happens when we put our faith to work. He calls us brothers and sisters, and he even calls ourselves his elder brother. We've made royalty, and we'll reign with him forever and ever by our faith. Amen? Amen. Lord, I thank you for what we learn right here and what we see in your word. Faith, Lord, that endures. Because, Lord, we place our faith in you, the one who lives forever and whose love endures forever. You never stop loving us. You never stop pouring out your mercy on those, Lord, who love you and look to you through it all. Lord, I thank you for this example we find in Rahab, a sinner, just like everybody in this room. But, Lord, a sinner who placed her faith in you. Lord, I pray that everyone here meeting with us this morning will strengthen their faith by placing it in you, Lord, in all that we do, knowing, Lord, you never let go. Lord, may we never let go and keep our faith in you, Lord, for your glory. Lord, may you turn that faith that we have into works that are empowered by you according to your plan. Lord, it's you we love. It's you where we deposit and leave our faith. You be glorified, I pray.